People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right. Tonight's guest is pretty awesome. I, I'm excited about this one. Uh, he is one of the most successful blackjack cheaters in history. Uh, he is now, I guess you'd say, went straight. Uh, he is an author, a consultant, um, a performer, mixing gambling techniques with mind reading. Uh, you can see him on, uh, he has been seen on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, the Travel Channel, and Amazon Prime Video. Everybody, it's Dustin Marks. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Wes. Thanks so much for having me. Man, I am excited about this one. Uh, we do have a ton of people on the books ready to be on the podcast, people that I've asked, people that I've promised dates to. You wrote to me last <laughs> week. sounds and, funny, promised dates to. Well, you know Sorry. I mean. <laughs> and, and you wrote to me last week, and you're like, hey, I like the podcast. Can I be on? I'm like, man, let me tell you, I got a list of people. Then I saw your stuff, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make room for this one. This is awesome. I'm excited, man. Well, great. Uh, again, thank you. So, uh Tell me about your start. Uh, so you do do magic. So was magic your first love or card cheating, gambling? What was your first love? Uh, my first love was magic. I was a little seven-year-old kid, and my uh, father took me to see an amateur magician. This guy was about in his 60s, kind of old, you know, moving slow. But the minute he got those cards into his hand, he became young again, and I was hooked. And from that time on, I wanted to you know, practice magic, especially card magic. So did you, were you like um, Die Vernon? Did you get the Erdnay's book and all of that? And oh, devour yeah. that as a young man, or did you get that later? No, I got that book uh, early on. I remember definitely in uh, high school reading it, and maybe even earlier, uh, you know, having my parents take me to the library to check out magic books and trying not to break my fingers, trying to figure out what they were meaning, you know, as far as the slides and stuff. But I got uh, fairly good, just self-taught with the books and stuff. Of course, back then there were no uh, videos or obviously no YouTube. Yeah, so I grew up on the, the VHS uh, and then the DVDs and YouTube. I was a late goer to YouTube because I'm like, man, 13-year-old kids in their basement showing stuff. But oh yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff on YouTube. But there's also a lot of crap you got to sort through to try to find the good stuff. So I'd, I'd hate to be a little kid trying to learn how to learn gambling slates off of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a lot it's of the wrong advice. So, yeah. uh, so did you do any magic shows? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, some. When I was, uh, especially in college, I was in fraternity and I performed some for uh, you know special occasions and stuff. And after I graduated college, I knew I didn't want to stay in the Midwest. I knew I always wanted to live out West and Vegas was one of my spots that I wanted to live in. So after uh, college, I was, you know, studying magic, reading the books. And I discovered that a lot of the guys who were really good with a deck of cards, such as Jimmy Grippo, Alan Ackerman, uh, Michael Skinner, Paul Harris, they all lived in Las Vegas. So in 1983, I moved out here uh, for two reasons, magic and mountains. And uh, there was a, a, well, Gary Darwin's Magic Club meeting that I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. 
had been going on since I believe the 60s, but in the 80s, it was really going strong. Of course, there's no internet, so it's a little hard to find, but after about four or five weeks, I finally found where they're meeting. It's always been a Wednesday night around, back then, I think it was 10 p.m. to let some of the stage uh, magicians, you know, attend after their show. And I remember that first night walking in there, and there's Jimmy Grippo and Alan Ackerman and Michael Skinner. And like wow. six weeks before, I was in the Midwest reading their, these guys' books. And now here I am sitting down with them. They were all very friendly, very helpful. Well, that's me in Virginia, man. I feel like I'm a desert island out here. You know, mm -hmm. all, I have a lot of friends in Vegas. I have a lot of friends in L.A. And, you know, all these different magic communities. And as a full-time performer, you know, the nearest full-time guy is two and a half hours for me, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe further. Mm -hmm. So uh, is that is that weekly thing still going on since Gary passed away? It is. I don't think it's the same. You know, back in the 80s, I mean, everybody was there. Even Copperfield would come in when he's performing. This is before he had a regular show. Siegfried and Roy was there. So it was just, in my opinion, wow. bias, you know, it huh. was the time to be, you know, there. And Gary was younger. He was much more active than, you know, the latter years of his life. But that is a magic club, man. I just I magic meeting the other day and it was three of us. <laughs> oh. and, yeah. you know it was me and one other one one guy didn't perform they just watched that was and, it and nobody on the caliber of uh Siegfried and Roy no, attended no, yeah no. that's amazing that's no. really cool I bet oh my gosh I would oh, know yeah. what to do I, I went every Wednesday no matter what I <laughs> bet I was learning so yeah I'm learning from the best in the world so why not take advantage of that it was fantastic yeah. So did you get any anything else besides just cards or were you strictly only cards, ever cards? Pretty much cards. I'd say 90% back then, at least, uh, you know, as one of these guys wanted to learn the most difficult moves and stuff, both in gambling and magic. And I had a pretty good pair of hands. Yeah, well, yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently. that goes without saying. All right. So how long were you in Vegas before you get a job as a dealer? About two years. Here's the interesting story. So I'm going to the Magic Club meetings, and I'm wondering who's the absolute best with a deck of cards. That's just kind of how my mind works. Yeah, I heard about Alan and Michael and a few other guys, but then a name came up that I never heard of before, and he never attended the Magic Club meetings. And they said uh, his specialty was gambling slights. So I started researching where I could find him. And they said he worked down at a downtown casino. So I went down there and cut into a boss and said, is I'm going to call him Mr. CC is Mr. CC here. And they said, you know, he used to work here, but he left and went back East. I can't tell you why, but for whatever reason, I didn't believe the boss. So I kept looking. And then there's a gambler's book club. In Las Vegas, it's moved since the 80s, but it was on uh, Charleston 11th. So I walked in there and they have just tons of books on gambling, con games, and magic. So I hung out there a little and I befriended one of the employees. And he said, you know, there's a VHS tape with this guy's name on it. So he looked at it and on the back, there was a picture. Now we weren't positive it was him. We thought, well, it's worth a shot. So I told my buddy who worked at the bookstore, if this guy ever comes in, you give me a call. Well, about... Oh, say three, four weeks later, he gives me a call. And he goes, you know, guy in here sure looks like the picture. So I was about 20 minutes from the gambling book club. I got there in about eight. Walked <laughs> in, 
looked at Mr. CC and yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. So I walked up to him. I said, are you Mr. CC? And I remember to this day what he said. He said, it depends on who's asking. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what so I was we thinking. started talking for a little bit. And I told him I'm just a guy who likes magic and gambling moves. And then he asked me a, what I thought was a strange question. He asked me if I had a car. I said, yeah, sure, I have a car. He goes, follow me home. So I followed him home. Six hours later, I left. He showed me so many moves. My head was spinning. I barely knew my name. And I really couldn't remember anything. It was genius. But I saw what could be done and how to beat the casinos. And I was absolutely confident they could be beaten using these techniques. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So how, how, how long did it take you to do a try one out? Uh, in the beginning, I was just doing uh, outside moves, you know, uh, adding or what they call pinching or pressing the bat. But then, as luck would have it, although it doesn't sound lucky in the beginning here, my girlfriend and I, we were running out of money, and we were uh, thinking about moving back to the Midwest. And we'd never been to California, never been to the Magic Castle. So we decided to go. And just as luck would have it, Mr. CC was going too. So he said, I'll get you into the castle. So we're there, and you know, people are coming up to him, talking to him. This guy's only 26 years old at the time. So he was, you know, he's a pretty young kid. And then I had to go to the bathroom or something. My uh, girlfriend cut into him and said, you know, we're, we're not doing too well. We're probably going to have to move back to the Midwest. Is there anything you could do? So after we got back home, he called me and said, come on over. He taught me to deal the game of blackjack in two days. On the third day, I had a dealing job in a downtown casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. And that wow. really started everything. I wasn't cheating at that casino, but I was looking and watching how the game was dealt, watching the bosses, watching the players, looking for vulnerabilities. And uh, I stayed there about three months. And then I got a job on the strip. And then I really started going to work. I felt very confident. What I had back then, this is about 85, I think 86, probably 85, is I bought one of the first actual camcorders and I would film myself over and over and over again doing these moves at home. And when I couldn't detect myself doing the moves, I knew the casino couldn't. So that gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. Well, was CC a cheat? He was just oh, yeah. really good. No, he, oh. he was definitely a cheat. Okay. So he, he'd been he, under fire. He knew not only the moves, the psychology, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, he is a very good teacher mentor. Wow. Okay. So went from one, one place to the next, and then you really got fired up. Did you work with a team dealer, or did you go after hours and actually No, I was play? a dealer there. I just worked with one person at that casino. And actually, we're doing a pretty complicated stack just the way they uh, were dealing the game. But we were making money and everything was going good. And then I got an offer to go just out of town. I'm not gonna say where yet, but out of town on a big team, myself, Mr. CC. Actually, there were two bosses down with it, five dealers and about six or seven players. Wow. 
Wow. The uh, thing was, the, the main guy was not Mr. CC. It was one of the bosses. He had got a job there specifically to take the joint off. And he said anybody who wanted to be a dealer had to get hired by the casino manager, not him. Casino manager was not down with the play. And the reason he did this and was very smart is if something went south, he didn't hire us. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy down with the play. So I remember me and my buddy went down there, uh, audition, and that's what you did back in the day. And the casino manager goes, yeah, boys, you can get around the table, all right, but I don't have any openings. So we drive back to Vegas, tell, you know, Mr. CC, he goes, well, you got to get hired. So we went down about a week later, did the same thing, cut into the boss, the auditionist. Yeah, I remember you guys, you know, competent dealers, but I don't have any openings. We go back to Vegas, you know, getting a little discouraged. And we told Mr. CC, he goes, look, we're going to start in less than a week. If you can't get hired, you can't be part of the play. So we got, go down there for a third time, cut in the boss, he auditions us and say, look, I don't have anything. I go, look, we're almost homeless, which was, of course, a lie. But I go, we'll take anything, one night a week. And he goes, okay, I'll hire you guys. Well, we got hired. So I guess we were the last two dealers of five total. And actually, we got put, at least I got put on full-time immediately. And I'll never forget walking onto that casino floor, looking around, saying, there's a dealer that's down with it. There's a dealer. There's a boss. There's a player. It's uh, like a, a, wow. know, a play or a movie that yeah. you know only we knew what was going on to everybody else, the other bosses, the sky, other players. We were just dealers doing, you know, dealing game on the square. So that really, you know, uh, was unique. And what happened and sometimes luck just happens to intervene. This particular casino would randomly polygraph dealers. Well, all our other dealers got polygraphed and they couldn't pass. They didn't get, you know, arrested or anything. They just got, you know, let go. And for whatever reason, I never got polygraphed. So I was like the last dealer standing. And I was pretty talented. We were doing two things primarily. <laughs> we were doing the flash which is I secretly show Mr. CC or the other you know, players down with it, their first card before they make a bet. This gives them 100% betting efficiency on that first card. They see a two through nine, they bet small. A 10 count card's a 12% starting advantage. So they bet, say medium. And then an ace is a 52% starting advantage. Huge. So you bet big. Then as I tucked my whole card, I would give them their first hit card. So they would never bust on one card. They'd only double down when they got a 20 or 21. So that's a big advantage. We figured it around 33%. Now remember the best card counters in the world get a little over 1% advantage. Whoa. But card counters did better than 1%. Yeah. On top of that, that's 1% overall. At times they have higher, but you know. Um, but on top of that, I was stacking the deck and anytime I stacked the deck, Mr. CC or any of the agents were going to win. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So yeah, I got whittled down to just myself, one of the bosses, Mr. CC. And, um, that's it. Three of us. And we just destroyed the game. We were impting rats. And the interesting thing was Mr. CC was probably the best blackjack player in the world back then. 
But what I would do if I was on a game, he wasn't on the game, I was dealing it. I would bend the tens and aces. So when I wasn't that game, he could go to that game and he would have a bigger advantage because he could read what we call the bend. So know where the tens and aces are. So he was beating every dealer, even though I was the only cheating dealer left. So they had no idea what was going on. And the Dude, reason I got so I many. That, All right, go ahead. Sorry, well, sorry. Go ahead, the keep reason going. I know that is because this is about five weeks in and he's, he's up a ton. So everybody's watching now because every time he comes in, he's winning. So the, all the people at the table, of course, is watching. The bosses, all the bosses are watching, not just the one in on it. The sky's watching. So you know, I'm dealing the game. He's beating me. And I get a tap on the shoulder. Relief dealer comes in. I start walking to the break room like normal. I get a second tap on my shoulder. That's not right. It was two guys from gaming control, which are basically the policing in the state of Nevada for the gaming industry. And they say, we want to talk with you. And I just have this ability when things really get go south or, you know, tense times, I just calm down. I don't know how, but I just, you know, really relax. I go, okay. And they start talking to me and they go, do you know that guy? And I said, well, I've seen him in the casino, but I don't know him, know him. And they asked if I ever worked at a certain casino. And I knew right then what they were trying to do. They were trying to tie me to him. And I had never worked at that casino. So I knew they had no way of connecting us, which obviously was good for me. But then what they did in my world is they cracked out a term. They said, we think you are giving up the whole card. Meaning back then when the dealers would look under 10 to see if they might have a blackjack, which would be an ace, I would give him that information. You know, if I had a small card, big card, et cetera. Well, what we were doing was so strong, we weren't even doing that. So I knew right then they had no idea what we were doing. So I sat there and talked with them. They let me go. Long story short, I didn't get fired. I dealt there for about three more weeks and then they finally let me go. They also talked to Mr. CC, but of course he didn't crack or anything. So we got away with it. And so what was the reason that they gave you for letting you go? They're just suspicious? Just suspicious. Remember, yeah. he wasn't just beating me. He was beating the other uh, dealers too. Not right. as much. But it didn't look like he was just targeting me. And that's one of the key psychological ploys I did the whole time. Is never looked like a player that was coming in that was down with the play would just target me. Or if I was on the other side being a player, not only would I play against my cheating dealer, I would play against other dealers. So it looked like, you know, just playing and getting lucky. Yeah. Okay. So questions for you. So sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just, I have so many, I don't know where to start. So, you said you, you would you would crimp the deck or you would you you know bow the card card put a little bend in it. And when listeners here, I have magician and non magician listeners listening to the podcast. We have like fifty nine different countries listening now. But so I'm going to put videos of you know your videos in the podcast group so they can see some of these techniques that you're talking about. But I was always the casino got rid of the cards like every couple hours or every hour. Did it not happen during a shift change or is that the 80s compared to now? Different back then. And this okay. particular casino, 
it was really funny. I went down there about a year ago. I walked in there and it was like I went 35 years back in time. I did a double take. I could not believe what I was seeing. Basically, they were dealing the game the same way I dealt it 35 years ago. Oh, good. They actually didn't have a discard tray. They would, wow. when the dealer picked up the cards, they put them under the cards in the dealer's hand, which is, you could do a move that way, but we didn't uh, do it because it's too well known. But nothing has changed. So my point is, this casino did things their way and they thought they were smarter than everybody. Actually, they weren't at all. So no, they didn't change the decks out like uh, some casinos. So I guess the uh, blackjack, because I can't count. I'm pitiful at math. And then you get drinks in me and you get pressure in me. And I really can't. I just stop. I just lock up. So I can't play at all under pressure. There was no shoe? No, not back then. Not in this casino. In fact, when I went back two years ago, there's no shoes. But no. they have shoes at every other casino. When you blackjack, there's always a shoe or no? Not with blackjack. Nowadays, yes. Uh, okay. Even back okay. in the 80s, there were some shoes, but all, I, almost... Almost every casino still had handheld deck, uh, handheld games, either single or double deck. All right, hold on. My wife just looked at me a shoe. Yeah, it's the device the that the, the cards are, are pre-shuffled in that machine, and you just slide the cards oh. out. It's called a shoe. Okay, yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah, You shoot the card out, right? Shoot. Gotcha. Um, all right, all right. Well, I had I have a Magicians Facebook group. It's called Magicians, and I post videos of magic all the time. I put your video up of... Um, like Dateline or something, doing a, a video. And once I got within the first four minutes was a friend of mine, Irwin, uh, has been on the podcast, the world's smallest magician. But he said, um, if he admitted to it and he took a million dollars, why no jail time? I mean, how can you come back and, and boldly say, I ripped him off for a million dollars and I got away with it? There's nothing, no repercussions? Is it statute of limitations? Statue of limitations. Or it... statute of limitations. All right. Wow. Wow. I didn't write my books till about seven, eight years later. Okay. So, yeah, I think statute of limitations on that is no more than five years, maybe only three or two. Yeah, it's a gambling crime. It isn't, you know, something real serious. No violence at all, obviously. Right. And almost all the casinos we beat are either gone or been, you know, bought by the corporations now. And the, the owners, most of them are long dead. This was 35 years ago. Yeah. So your your um, grace under pressure, amazing skills, and all of this stuff. Last week, I had a guy on the podcast that is a recovering addict. You live in Vegas. Do you ever have that drive? Do you ever have that? Or can you not answer on the podcast? No, I'll be happy to answer. Uh, short answer is no. Last bet I ever made was 1990. Oh, wow. I was never a gambler per se. I didn't want to lose. I don't like losing at anything, honestly. So if I don't have an edge, I'm not going to gamble. Just, well, but you have that. You have that. Wait. Uh, mm. I mean, I saw you. Uh, you know, take a take a ace and take it off the table and play and do all that stuff. And is that not would would that not work nowadays to your advantage? I know it wouldn't a home game. Would it not work in a, a MGM with I? This guy and everything now? 
It would be very difficult. I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but it'd be extremely difficult, especially if you can't touch the cards. You, know, okay. you can't steal a card if you can't touch them. That's called mucking, by the way, which is a, honestly, it's a very good move. Some of the stuff on TV I did because it's very visual. You right, don't want right, to show right. stuff that you know, nobody cares about because they can't see. Yeah. Mucking is, takes a ton of skill, and you just can't win a ton of money because you don't want to be the biggest better there. Everybody watching, even though you can make the card invisible or certain moves with a hand that you have to do. And, you know, knowledgeable people like myself will know uh, what's going on. So uh, the muckers were few and far between. They wouldn't play that high. But, you know, back in the 80s, if you could make 200 hours for an hour's uh, work tax-free, that's not bad money. But if they did it too much, they always got caught. It's just too high risk of a move, at least in my opinion. The stuff we did, I thought, was much more stealth and virtually impossible to catch because we took it to a level, you know, we uh, actually trained our eyes to see faster. So when I'd flash, if I was a dealer and you come in, Wes, you were my agent, when I flash you the card, your first uh, hit card, I only flashed it for about a quarter of a second. Right. And I only showed you about a quarter of the indice. So, boy, if you weren't trained, you wouldn't be able to identify it at all. But see, as a magician, I totally get that. You yeah. know, when you show a layman a card, uh, you know, pick a card, and they have to look at it and they have to lock it in their memory. As a magician, you're like, what the heck is taking you so long? Do you need yeah, a pen and paper? Exactly. So I totally get that aspect of it. I don't know. It's it just, it, it seems like easy money right there for you. All you need is a couple percent advantage and you got it. I mean, in home games, just uh, the movie Rounders, I love. I love that oh, yeah. movie. Um, Good movie. And just, just home games, just on the road. I've heard stories of other magicians that we know, but they're, you know, they're mechanics. But, um, you know, get hired as dealers to go to these things and, and take out people. Um, I can't ask you, though, if you do. Tell me. <laughs> I can't. That would be a stupid question. You could ask me if you used to do that. Uh, is that something that uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we I need to change the subject? That. It's going down a bad path. <laughs> no, I never did that. I only took off casinos. Wow. There you go. Wow. So um, tell me about your book. How many books did you write about gambling? Three. The latest one, I think, came out in 2016. It's a combination of the first two. So it, it's definitely the best one. In fact, I don't even know if you buy the first two. It also is called Cheating at Blackjack. So it has uh, the moves I and other people did. Um, and this, this is the stuff that really got the money back in the day. These weren't real pipe dreams. These were the moves that you know, people did. So... Um... There's a there's a movie where they they took on the casino, but I think there was a card counting movie, wasn't it? Where they went in. Oh yeah, the MIT gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what that sounds like. Your whole plot with the gang. What happened to the gang? What happened to the crew? Just disbanded. The the guys I'm yeah. worked with. Yeah, I mean, on the bigger plays, and we didn't have a lot of big plays, but we did have some, like the one I was talking about and computer coolers. Actually, a lot of those plays, we get, you know, 10, 15 people. We didn't even use our real names. So about half the people, I, I never knew their name. Oh, so wow. I don't know what happened to them. 
I'm still in contact with a couple people I used to do business with. But everybody else, you know, this is Vegas. People move in and out and stuff. I don't know what happened to them. Did Again, you do a lot of, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's 35 years ago. So that's a pretty long time ago. Yeah. Did you do a lot of, of group things or was it mostly by yourself? No, it's almost always group, but small. Okay. Just two people. Okay. You got to think with the, with the dealer, he, he can't win. That's He's got to play with somebody else. Somebody. Split it yeah, later. you're right. But he could always play. But you never played, did you? You always dealt. No, I did both. You did do both. Okay. But I was mainly the dealer. I, mean, I was actually really good. So when I dealt, my agent would come in, agent being my partner, we'd win a lot of money. We really okay. would. In yeah. fact, the whole thing was what my philosophy was is we wanted to fly under the radar most of the time, meaning we didn't want to attract the casino's attention. And the reason I did that is I wanted not that many agents. If I, let's say I had around five agents consistently. These people I knew, I trusted. If I let them come in and win thousands and thousands of dollars, they were going to get backed off. Not arrested or anything, but just, you know, boss would come up and say, here's too good for us. You can play any other game, but we don't want you to play the blackjack game. So then I have to get another agent and another agent, and another agent. Well, if I had 50 or 60 agents, the odds are one of them screwing up is really high. Maybe not the blackjack game, but maybe drugs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go down that path. I didn't think it was smart. So I had five agents. We knew what we were doing. We trusted each other and we really never had a problem. So what do you think the total is that you won overall? Honestly, I don't know. I never kept records for obvious reasons. There's a lot of money. And of course, this was 1980s money, which is even more back then compared to now. But um, did you have a did you have a limit like, uh, hey, if you take more than 500, people are going to raise an eyebrow. So try to keep it under 200 a night. Did you have a number? It would depend on the casino, you know, a vague number, you know, say under a thousand normally once in a while, you know, if there's big action at a, another game, nothing to do with us, then we'd bump it up a little. Uh, but then on the big kind of plays like the computer coolers, no, they, they would be over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Right. Tell me what a computer cooler is. Okay. Uh, Wes, do you know what a cooler is? Uh, I would say, uh, from what I think a cooler is, and I'm a magician, not a gambler, but that's somebody that comes in and messes up everything. I thought that was a cooler. No, that's a, a dealer, a mechanic for okay. the house. No, a cooler is we're sitting at your house. We prearranged the deck. Okay. Cas- you know, we get a deck out of the casino, so, however. So you're saying a deck switch? Yes. It's, you know, it's stacked at your house. I come in, you're the dealer. At the right time, we just switch decks. So ring in a cooler. I got you. I got you. Okay. Interesting. Single deck, you can make it almost invisible. Six decks, I don't care who you are. You can't switch six decks and make it invisible. It's impossible. And the whole essence of a cooler is switching the cards. Well, we came up with a way you didn't have to switch the cards, which at first makes no sense because that's the essence of a cooler. What it was, and again, remember, this is around 1985. We had a 
and I don't know who did it, but they miniaturized the computer for us <clears throat> where we'd have an input key that would be in our pocket. We would have a um, headphone or a little wire with a speaker in our ear. And the person who had all this on had long hair, so he couldn't see the wire or anything. And strapped to his back was actually the motherboard and stuff. What he would do is walk up to the game and everybody was down with it as far as he obviously he was down with it. Everybody at the game was down with it and the dealer was down with it. And this would be a six deck face up game. So as soon as our dealer started dealing, he would be standing up right behind me and we pretended to know each other. Just, you know, he didn't want to play supposedly. And he'd be recording every card that, you know, got dealt. So at the end of the shoe, the computer would compute how we could win by varying the number of hands and the number of hit cards. And about 95% of the time, the, con the computer could figure out a sequence to do that. Well, when the burn card came out, or the plastic card, I should say, indicating the end of that shoe, then that dealer would start false shuffling the six decks. Now that sounds like a lot of work, but remember <clears throat> we tailored this whole scam. So when we were at the game before the shuffle, we were playing minimum. So nobody was paying attention to us. So when that plastic cut card came out, the dealer started shuffling all the cards, but what he was doing is the sky shuffle which is wouldn't fool anybody at table level, but it would fool the eye in the sky because that's shooting directly down onto the game. And back then they only had one camera for three blackjack games, which meant unless there was suspicion, it was a wide angle and it couldn't really detect anything. So all the dealer would do, and the dealer wasn't a mechanic or you know, a magician because we felt it much stronger if we had a dealer who was down with the play who'd been at this joint five, 10, 15 years and perfect record, instead of somebody like me getting hired and three months later, you know, dealing off $150,000. So all that dealer would do is he'd break the deck for a riffle shuffle. He just riffle one half and then riffle the other half on top and just square them up. Simple right. small shuffle in the world, but it fooled the eye every time. So after he fall shuffled and marked where to cut, I would cut. And then we'd all get up and decide to go to dinner. Of course, this is all an act. And the BP, meaning big player, the person who's going to come in and win all the money, would come up to the table and he would signal to a boss, any boss. Again, the boss is not down with this play. And he would ask the boss, look, I want to play table limit, say 3,000 a hand, but I want a private table. And the reason he did that, we didn't want anybody else at that game playing. Now, the other interesting thing we did, we would time it. So after the dealer shuffled the cards, a new dealer would come in and actually lose all the money. And this new dealer wasn't down with the play. So wow. the cards was in the break room. The new dealer, who knows who it was, was you know dealing. And the BP now was playing one to three hands, table max, a 3,000 hand. And all he had to do, the big player, was get two signals 
from the computer guy who now was off in the crowd because everybody start watching, you know, guy firing up 3,000 a hand, two or three hands. He's going to generate a crowd very, very quickly. And all the computer guy would do is just give him two signals, how many hands to play and how many total hit cards. And since the game was dealt face up, it was very easy to figure out how many hit cards per, you know, hand. Let's say he's playing two hands, there's two hit cards. He would know how to play. And we'd win probably 95% of the hands. It was actually good to lose a hand or two to create a little doubt in the casino's mind. Wow, wow, wow. Amazing. That's a good night. So oh, yeah. the, and the, the guy with the long hair did leave? Yeah, the, uh, yeah we all left. Uh, yeah. It was the BP, obviously playing, and the computer guy. And uh, that was about it because they didn't need us anymore. The other thing that happened was really cool is as that dealer started false shuffling the cards, we had what we call turns. And these are people just kind of appear out of nowhere. And if a boss was kind of looking at the shuffle for whatever reason, normally they don't too much, the turn would start talking to the boss to distract him. If you had like, for whatever reason, a little old lady stop and start watching the shuffle. We'd have somebody cut into her and talk to her. The other thing we would do at the exact time, we'd have another one of our team members go to a diagonal game and buy in for $10,000 cash. Well, what's going to happen? All the attention is focused on that buy-in. It's exactly what we want. And then that guy would play for about 20 minutes on the square. He's a very, very good card counter. So we had everything timed out just like you'd see in a play or a movie. It looked just normal, but everybody knew what was going on on the team. All right. So I don't want to be disrespectful, but honor among thieves. I don't know what else to say. Honor among gambling cheats. How do you trust that guy that that you left in there at the big play that he made, I don't know, $50,000 that he said, oh, yep, yeah, $300. I'll put that with you. That's a great question. I'm so glad you answered. Asked that. Oh, good, people good. Because I did not want to be disrespectful. How people you, are going to think this is a setup, but I swear I did not know you were going to answer that. And here's the backstory, which makes it very interesting. We didn't hardly know this guy. He was I don't trust anybody. That's why I came up with the question. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, I remember, you know, we practiced this a lot. This wasn't like an hour practice and you're in the casino. We practiced for hours. And for whatever reason, this guy took a liking to me, but I knew this guy's kind of bad news. So one night, you know, we're practicing and the whole team's there, but you know, you take a break and he talks and he's saying, you know, he was involved in some kind of scam and him and his partner got in a fight and his partner shot him. And he's running down like some street in Chicago with half his guts hanging out, trying to get oh, to gosh. the hospital. I'm going, oh man, this is not the guy we want to do in this. Because, you know, we're young, you know, in our 20s, card cheats. And this guy, you know, and then he told me the FBI is looking for him. And I, you know, Mr. CC was down with this. And I, you know, cut into him. I go, do we really want to want this guy? And how are we going to be able to trust him? You know, he's in Mm -hmm. his 50s, which is old to a bunch of 20-year-olds. And this guy, you know, the FBI has been looking for him. He got shot. This guy's kind of a bad guy. So we came up with the idea of saying, look, We'll do this one. You do good. Then we got even a bigger one. You'll make a lot more money. Now, I don't know if that persuaded him or not, but after the play, we went to Mr. Cece's house 
I remember we were all there, but you know, the BP, the guy with the money and I'm getting nervous. You know, I'm going, Oh, did he take off on us? All of a sudden there's a knock at the door and it was him. <laughs> and I had the biggest smile on my face. And I remember we're there and there's $150,000 cash on the kitchen table. Wow. And we were celebrating like we just won the Super Bowl. I bet. Yeah, that was, so that awesome. was a highlight. It really, really wow. was. Wow. But my thinking is, how do you know it wasn't $175,000? <laughs> <laughs> So you just uh, have well, to tell them, you just have to tell them, you know, hey, we have other people with eyes in there. Keep an eye on you. Yeah, I uh, did say we should have somebody follow them. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, that Golly. was the only time I ever saw the guy and I, I didn't want to, you know, start hanging out with him because I, you know, it just, it wasn't good. I had a bad yeah. vibe. But he did show up and we got our money. That's awesome. Wow, dude. What a, what an adventure. Yeah, so was. was this was this downtown? I mean, Vegas is a whole lot different 30 years ago, 35 years ago than it is now. Was this downtown or was this Main Street? Where where was yeah, all the stuff happening? Major, major Las Vegas strip casino. Wow. Back wow, then. wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Is it still around today? Are you allowed to say? If I'm I ask something, is, I'm not supposed to ask, man. But there's so many name changes. I can't even keep up with it. To me, it's kind of silly, but, you know. Okay. But, yeah, yeah it, back in the day, everybody would have heard of it, guaranteed. So uh, you have you have your book. You also um, have gambling routines where you teach people downloads of how they can do their own. Yeah, if they want to, you know, say a magician wants to do a gambling routine and gambling routine and really wants to do the real stuff. Yeah, I do have downloads that uh, this is the real stuff that was happening. This isn't, you know, card magic in a sense. It's moves we did or other cheats did to get the money back in the 80s. Now, this all these moves would still work in private games, but not so much in casinos, especially if it's, uh, you know, face up shoe where you can't touch the uh, cards. Well, that's what I told you. I was showing um, friends and family uh, your videos over the weekend. Just excited to have you on. And one of them was uh, they watched our, our babies for us while we went out to see Penn and Tellers. Or, well, Tellers play the Tempest. And uh, we went to pick up the babies. And he said, yeah, man, I'm going to go get some groceries and I have a poker night. <laughs> you have a poker night tonight? What, are you going to do anything fun? He said, no, man. It's like, you know, just a friendly game. Yeah, but let's fix the odds. I can teach you some stuff. No, no, he wouldn't touch it. He wouldn't do anything. <laughs> then I showed him your videos, and he was like, no, nah, can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> just giving him a hard time. But, man, it's just so – that's what I'm afraid of. If I tried to get into a family game, I would do it. But I don't have the, the cool, calm collective that you have. My face would turn red. Yeah, you'd I would, be bright red. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't do good with that. But I can do it in magic because yeah. magic's different. But I could not do it in a real game with money on the line, man. That's that's a whole. How long did you do it for? About four years. I figure I was down with about 500 different plays. So wow. I, I did a lot. How often did you have to switch? Like if you were dealing at a casino, how long? Just a few months and then you'd move on to another, another no, one? Or? No, it was longer than that. Oh, Maybe it would depend on the casino, maybe a year. Okay. Uh, back then it was not uncommon to get fired for 
anything. I mean, there were casinos literally back in the 80s. Nobody worked more than 90 days because they didn't oh, want wow. to pay health insurance. It's like you were on a probation oh. and you just got, and, and you know, everybody knew it because casino didn't want to pay health insurance. Yeah. Oh, That's pretty hardcore back then. Yeah, no kidding. So, you know, all things said and done, uh, you know, my my thing is if, if magic fell through and something happened and I broke both my both my arms and I had to get a job, I'm going to Walmart. What else am I going to do? I'm, I'm going to Walmart. Um, you know, I have a degree in marketing. I have to work at a marketing firm or something, but I'm always, you know, I'll just end up at Walmart. How much of a hell would it be for you to work at a legit uh, casino just being a legit dealer? Would that be hell for you? Was it at all? Did you enjoy doing it when you were doing it legit? No, it's just such straight. a boring job. I, I, I walk by those girls just shuffling cars, looking for somebody to join the table. Yeah, it looks horrible. It is. It, you know, I couldn't do it. I, I'm very creative, and being a blackjack dealer, dealer is kind of like being on assembly line. Once after first maybe two months at the most, you know everything. You know, nothing really more to learn. You just know the, the numbers or, you know, the like six, seven, eight, 21. I still remember that from 35 years ago. What I mean is you're not even adding up the cards. You just recognize the patterns and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was way when I had to deal on the square, I was very bored. I had to still act the same, but now nah, there's no challenge in that at all. Yeah. So what made you stop? Uh, good question. A combination of things. Uh, one, Mr. CC did get popped. Oh. Uh, I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't down with the play. But by then, uh, long story short, I went to his wedding. A bunch of us did. And we know for a fact uh, Gaming Control was outside filming us. So now they actually connected me with him oh. by, you know, a few years later. So I knew that was not good. Yeah. And I'd won a lot of money. And I said, and honestly, this is on the square. I said, 35 years from now, I want to be able to say I cheated the casinos, got away, and never got caught. Yeah. And the only way to have that happen is to quit. Yeah. That's what I did, and I've never made a move since. Wow. That walking away, man. Yeah. That's, that's, seems like that would be hard. That's the draw that gets everybody popped, though. Yeah. They, they oh, go yeah. until they get caught. Yeah. They get greedy and, you know, maybe a little sloppy. I never did that. That's, that's, that's why you can say you got away with it now. <laughs> so you had the girlfriend at the time that was helping you out. Are you, did you end up marrying her? Yeah. Now she wasn't uh, cheating or anything. No, but she was. She was with you through those early times. And yeah. That. Oh yeah. 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 yeah well, she liked the money. <laughs> <laughs> I she, guarantee that. And she kept her mouth shut. I don't remember her talking. You know. Yeah. I. She didn't really know exactly what I was doing. She knew I was moving and stuff, but she didn't know the moves or anything. You know, less people you tell, the better, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So people can go to your website. Uh, it's uh, DustinMarks.com, and they can learn gambling routines. Are these downloads? Yeah. Okay. So you have the book. Is the book available in bookshops or do they get them off your website or both? They can do both. Okay. And um, I know you have – I saw on your website that you had one magic effect. Do you have more magic effects as well or just that? Not that I've released yet. I got some – 
pretty interesting card things, but I don't know if I want to release them at this time. I got a really cool you know, spectator can shuffle his cards, put them down. I can tell you red and black. I don't think anybody's using this. It's not mirrors, not shiners. It's not marked cards, nothing. And I've, I've, for whatever reason, I've always been fascinated by that. So I got a really cool method that, like I said, I don't think most people know. And uh, a couple other things, a really, really interesting ace cutting routine that um, has a really good kicker at the end that I don't think too many people are doing and a few other things, but I'm going to keep them for now. Uh, my goal at this point in my life is to get a show in Vegas based on my life as a blackjack cheat. Because, I mean, how many times can you sit down with a person who actually cheated the casinos in Vegas in the heyday, in my opinion, and never got caught? <laughs> There's not very many of us around who can still speak and can still do the moves. Yeah, that'd be cool. Wow. It's got to be, there's got to be a place you could do that. I mean, and projector screen, get it on the projector screen so everybody can see, you know, just lasering in on your hands and not seeing anything. That'd be Absolutely. very fascinating. And be but, interactive, even have people come up and play. Yeah, and but you're going to get people in trouble because they're going to leave that thing thinking that they can do it themselves. <laughs> uh, this takes a lot of skill. And again, oh, yeah. you know, most dealers, the, the way the game's dealt now, uh, yeah, dealers don't even shuffle the cards. Yeah, you know, right. it's kind of an automatic shuffler, so it's changed a lot. So when you do your things, is it uh, telling people just your story? Are you warning them? Are you what? What is your public speaking shows like? Your your talks? Well, when I can consult the casinos, it's you know what I did, what to look for, and okay. I've always thought the moves are secondary. It's the psychology. That's so important. I see videos of people coming in with very sophisticated uh, electronics. Doesn't take any skill, really. But you can just tell something's going on immediately. They just don't look like they belong in a casino. So it's the tells that are so important. So is and, it a is it an urban legend that they have scanners that can tell you if you're emitting radio signals off of your body? I have not heard urban legend. That, I thought I, I saw it somewhere. I, I imagine now that's probably true. They had a wand. They called it way back in the eighties to see if you had a, um, what they call a card counting computer Okay. that they would check. So, I mean, that was 40 years ago almost. So they probably have a lot of stuff, but I mean, you know, it's a cat and mouse game and it always will be. Are you into like collecting memorabilia cheaters? Like, um, you know, holdouts and different things or shiners or anything? No, I only have a piece or two given to me by somebody else. But uh, okay. no, not much of a collector. I, you know, I know people that are and really cool, but no, nah, I don't. Um, don't Jason England was at the SAM convention and had a whole, you know, oh, yeah, that he did amazing collection of stuff he had. But yeah, yeah, he has a very big collection. I know, I know Jason pretty well. So uh, when you do your um, your show, people hire you for, you know, as a magician slash you know, mentalist slash, you know, card demonstrator. Um, it, it, is it mainly cards? Is it mentalism or a mix of both? Right now, it's mainly mentalism. Okay. Uh, I just like that. 
I like the psychology. I really, you know, really into that. But when I get, you know, I'm working with a producer now to get more of the gambling show. And that will be almost strictly gambling. You know, showing the moves, talking about my life, taking questions and answers type thing. Man, I think that could be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, wife, I do. Too. I had to tell my wife what a shoe was, but she would go to that yeah. show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, because in Vegas, I mean, that would done. sell, man. People want to see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, well, you said you have a degree in marketing, so you know you got to stand out from everybody else. Right. And that's what I'm doing. I, there's, I don't think anybody else is doing this. Um, so, yeah, we just got to get the right venue. Uh, like you said, the overhead, so everybody can see that's so important. I want people to be able to see what I'm doing, but make it a pretty intimate venue, maybe 40 people max. Everybody, you know, feels like they're part of the show. They can ask me questions at the end. Uh, so it'd be a very unique experience and hopefully an experience they'd remember for the rest of their life. Dude, I, I, I hope you get this. Um, oh, thanks. Are, you pu- are you putting feelers out? I mean, you said you already oh, had yeah. a producer. You're already putting feelers out. Yeah, we're going to, in fact, in a few days, we're going to go look at some venues. And, uh, you know, once we got something that we think really is going to work, I'll script it out. And uh, figure out, you know, we'll do some one-time shots, you know, film it, see what we like, what we don't like, what worked with the audience, what doesn't. It's a learning experience like anything else in life. But uh, I'll get it down. I'll make it good. I'm positive. It's not a question of it. Just win. I got a degree in marketing. I see your merch table has stripper decks, something easy for people to do. You put a video together, tell them how they can cheat a poker just with a stripper deck. You sell that back of the room. I mean, you know, it could be your merch could be pretty awesome and you're doing easy stuff for them to do. And you could sell the advanced, you know, your book and your advanced loads as well. Um, It could be pretty awesome. Yes. Obviously, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So that uh, at a podcast Facebook group where I'm going to upload this video and in the comments, I'm going to put your link to your um, website and everything and to your products that you have. But as soon as you get this show in Vegas lined up and locked down, you let me know and I'll blast it to everyone. Everybody I've showed your videos to is like, wow, that guy's good. Oh, so. thanks. And uh, when the show's is live and you know running, both of you comp for life. Oh, oh. God bless you. I got a video. I got it on audio. Yeah. It's right here. Oh, so <laughs> I'll play you. that for you, poor man. Listen to this. <laughs> Dude, awesome. well, we're planning a trip in the next uh couple of months come out there so, oh uh, definitely look me up i'd love to meet you both awesome awesome well um so you got the effects you got the book you got the gambling routines people can hire you to come to a private show for them um you consult for the uh for the eye in the sky folks out there did you ever get it with the eye in the sky people did you ever want that or did they ever offer that? no ironically though that's what i first when I moved to Vegas after maybe six months or a year, that's what I first applied, but uh, I didn't have any experience and I didn't get a job. Bottom line. Well, they messed up. <laughs> no, they if didn't. They know more him, angles. Yeah. They would have known angles. Oh, that's, of true. that's true. Oh. <laughs> How good that camera could zoom in. There you go. Am I tested? Mm-hmm. Well, I was up, you know, we had buddies and I was up in the eye a few times and we saw how 
pathetic. Now, this is back in the 80s. Right, right. The uh, cameras were. In fact, it was mainly black and white. And oh, wow. some of the casinos didn't even have an operator up in the eye on graveyard shift. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, my amazing. goodness. Now, that's back in the 80s, not now. Yeah. But, um, you know, traditionally, they did not pay very well for people in the eye. At least here in Vegas. So is there cameras everywhere now? Like a uh, World Series of Poker has the cameras on the table and all that stuff. Do they have stuff like that going on? Um, and like legit regular tables? And they're everywhere. They're not necessarily on the table, but they're in okay, the ceiling. Okay. They, I was just consulting a casino fairly recently, and they took me up in the eye, and they can zoom in on anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I was so just thinking cameras. if they could see if they could see, you know, person number one's uh, you know, cards that've been dealt down and then it switches it out, they would see that switch, but that's a lot to keep up with every mm -hmm. every person. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they got and it's not just on the uh, gaming floor, it's everywhere. And the director of surveillance, we kind of became friends and she's telling me, you know, they watch non-gaming as much if not more than the gambling tables now. So what's non-game? What is that? Just people walking around? Cars, because, you know, there's uh, con men uh, doing different things, people stealing purses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're oh, watching good. everything. Got to do it all, yeah. Even the outside, you know, in the parking lots. Yeah. So there's, you know, it was kind of overwhelming how many screens there were. And you had to just, you know, I, I this is a guess now because I was only in there for about 20 minutes. I'd say each operator had 10 to 12 screens to watch. And, you, you know, attention, you know, you can't really watch two things at once. So you're on one screen and you look to another, another. Basically what they're doing, they're just scanning and they're waiting for a call from the casino floor. Hey, watch game seven, person two or whatever. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was there last I was out there was January and I felt bad for security people because they had to chase people down constantly. And just, you know, would you please raise your mask? Please raise your mask. And it was just, oh, yeah. it was childish because everybody was drunk and just running around and arguing and because of that mask law. And it was like, you know, I can't imagine doing that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm -hmm. just chasing oh, drunk yeah. people, ask them to lift their mask because they don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's changed now. You don't have to wear a mask or anything. But uh, it's, it's uh, Vegas has changed so much as far as the strip. I don't really recognize it. I mean, all the places I went to are pretty much gone. There's a few, but not many. Well, we're going to look you up. On there. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, yeah, please do. That'd be great. I, you know, if I can make it to a Wednesday meeting, you know, how great would that be? <laughs> I did yeah. that before. Uh, I went to uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, we were just dating. I think it was one of our first vacations together. And the guys invited me to an IBM meeting. And... Um, Five and came back at like midnight and Natalie's like, um, where the hell were you? We're on vacation, <laughs> honey. Where were you? Dude, I was having a blast. That's a great meeting. They have a fun group of people down there. I didn't know. Now I would expect it. I'd be like, whatever. But <laughs> yeah. we were just dating. I was like, what? Where where are you? <laughs> Trust me, honey. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not doing anything bad. I promise. Anyway, Dust, you are awesome. Thank you so much for being oh, on here, you. man. This I'm gonna, fun. We're going to share the heck out of this and let everybody know. And like I said, as soon as you get this gig in Vegas, please let us know. We'll the heck out of that, too. Oh, yeah. appreciate that. Uh, 
Yeah, send me that once you get it live. If you could please send me the link. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's going live uh, Wednesday at three p.m. Eastern. Oh, great. Eastern time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the only thing left for us to say is, uh, see, see you, you next week. week. Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash wes underscore Isley for behind the scenes videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley, spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I. -S -E